Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for your great word. It's a word that we cherish. It's a word that does so much in us, gives us hope, changes us. We've been born again by the word of God. And Lord, we we ask you now to open our hearts as we come to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, Genesis chapter 36, beginning verse 1 here. Now, these are the generations of Esau. Who is Edom? Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, Aholibama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion the Hivite, and Beshemoth, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebajoth. And Ada bare to Esau Eliphaz, and Beshemoth bare Ruel, and Aholibama bare Jeush, and Jalan, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took his wives, and his sons, and his daughters, and all the possessions of his persons of his house, and his cattle, and all his beasts, and all his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan, and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob, for their riches were more than they might dwell together. And the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them, because of their cattle. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. Now, in our last study, we started this chapter, chapter 36. So really, it's a painful chapter. This is not a very pleasant chapter for us because it's the history of Esau. It's a history of a man who just had no use for God in his life. And his family had no use for God either. So this is this chapter. We go through this chapter and it really makes us yearn for God. I mean, we want to get back to the, to the history of the people who wanted God, the people who yearned for God. But God has given us this chapter, and it's important for us to understand it because it's really painting for us the picture of a person who decides to, to, to live his life without God, and, and, and because, because God, why is it so important? Because this is the majority of people. This is the majority of people that are in the world today. They live like this. They live like this, like, like, like this chapter is described here. Now, first of all, we saw that there was a certain emphasis, and it's very important in verses 1 and 8 and 19 and 43, and this emphasis is very simply put, Esau is Edom. And what we saw from that was that Edom goes back to the red color, the red lentil stew that that Esau saw. Oh, that's more valuable than my spiritual birthright. That bowl of stew, that red stew there, there, I'm willing to sell it all out for that stew. Now, that was Esau's sin. And the word Edom really is referring to Esau's sin. 
So today, when we read this, where it says Esau was Edom, it's really the same thing as saying Esau was a sinner. Esau was a sinner. And that's so different from what is written about Jacob, because Jacob sinned also, but Jacob repented of his sin. And so God gave him a new name. God gave him the name of Israel. And that's the theme of Jacob's life. As it says in the previous chapter, 35 verse 10, and God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. So for Jacob's life, it was that Jacob got a new name. So that's the name of Israel because Jacob repented. So God saw Jacob as Israel. Now, when we repented of our sins and we received God's salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, we got a new name. We name a follower of Christ, follower of a uh, Christian, follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, last Friday night was so great because we sang this song, you know, redeemed, you know, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That's our name. That's our new name also, redeemed. That's our new name. We're redeemed by the blood of the lamb. But the tragedy in this chapter is that Esau never got a new name. He never repented. So he never got a new name. So the tragedy really is in verse eight, where it says so clearly, Esau is Edom. That's tragic. That's tragic. We plug in the, we could just plug in the word still in verse eight to really drive it home. And he could read verse eight as, thus dwelt Esau at Mount Seir. Esau is still Edom. And it's a tragedy of every lost person when they choose to stay the way they are. When they just, when the gospel is presented to them, which is really a message of change, and they say, I'm just fine, thank you very much, just leave me alone. And they want to stay that way. Every person is a sinner. Every person is described by Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Each person's sin means that they fall short. They can't make it to the glory of God. They can't see, they can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. They can't see kingdom because of the separation that their sin, their personal sin, causes between them and God, which was so greatly displayed last Friday night when Jim Shankula got up and, and I don't know how he did that, but he painted those letters and things like that. I was just, I was more amazed. I think I might have missed the message by saying, how did he know how to do that? But anyway, when he showed the big black part there, and sin separating God, and between us and God, it's so beautiful because it was a portrayal of Isaiah 59.2, where God says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Your sins caused you to fall short of the glory of God, caused you to come up short. That's tragic. That's a tragic condition of every lost person. And, the, and what makes it so tragic? It's not necessary. It's totally unnecessary. It's an unnecessary catastrophe because God has made it possible for every person to change, to get a new name, to get a new nature, to get a new set of interests. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's new. He's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. So Jacob was a new person in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jacob got this new name of Israel. He wasn't born with that name. It was a name that was given to him. And Esau didn't want to become a new person. 
He didn't want to become new in Jehovah Jesus. He just wanted to just remain the same. And he just said, as far as he was concerned, stop trying to change me. Stop. So Esau is like Moab is described in Jeremiah 48, 11. There's a very interesting description there when it says in, in Jeremiah 48, 11, where it says, Moab hath been at ease from his youth and hath, he hath settled on his lees and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Uh, therefore, his taste remained in him and his scent is not changed. See, Moab is described as unchanged from his youth, like Esau. Well, the pattern that Esau chose for himself in his youth, he just continued right on down through it, and his family, he guided his family in the same way. You know, recently, I made contact with my best friend from junior high. We hadn't spoken to each other for 50 years, and then we reconnected. And so, you know, I know he was thinking, okay, we'll just pick up where we were, right, right, right Tommy? <laughs> and, 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 but I changed. I wasn't the same person as I was in junior high. Why? Because I'd become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And worse, I'm trying to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Moab is described as a person who has not changed from his youth. And the reason Moab didn't change from his use is because he'd been at ease. It says he was at ease from his use. You know, there were no traumatic events in Moab's life, and he was just at ease. He was just very comfortable. You know, recently I spoke to a Jewish doctor, a friend of mine who, who lives in Mount Helix, has a very comfortable life. And when I spoke to him about giving his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, big dramatic change. He just he kind of looked at me, you know, like uh, without saying he was he was saying with his eyes. He kind of stopped looking. He said, "Why?" He was saying with his eyes, "Why? Why change?" You know, I have a great family. I have a great comfortable life here on Mount Helix. I got a great medical practice. Everything's going my way. Why should I go through this earthquake of becoming a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the Moab problem. That's the Moab problem from Jeremiah 48, 11. Moab hath been at ease from his youth. He's on easy street. Moab was on easy street. He didn't feel any need for change. That's Moab. So many, so many people today are like Moab. They're like Moab. And so God says, look, I want to describe to you what this is like. So he uses the process of making wine to illustrate what the problem was with Moab. You know, making wine... It was a very fine process, very fine chemical process, very predictable what was going to happen in order to get the best flavor in the wine. Because, you know, wine is a fermentation process, and as it's going through its fermentation process, the, the flavor is changing. And you got to do something to capture, let it get to the right flavor and capture that. So in the winemaking process, during this fermentation process, the wine, when the wine is becoming alcoholic, it's also, the, it, it's changing its flavor. Fine precipitates begin to fall out of the solution as the alcohol forms. And these precipitates can become a problem because in those precipitates, there is the strong scent or the strong flavor, so to speak. And it's an ongoing process, as I mentioned there. And, the, and if the wine is left too long on the precipitates, then the flavor becomes too strong, 
And eventually, that flavor becomes sour, like vinegar. So what had to happen was that, okay, as the wine is progressing along in this fermentation process, it, it couldn't be allowed to stand settled on the precipitates. It's got to be transferred. It's got to be transferred to another vessel, leave the precipitates behind. So you can remove the precipitates that way. And this process of the wine, you know, forming these precipitates, it also didn't stop as well. So in order to keep the wine from becoming sour, after it had been transferred to one vessel, new precipitates formed. And so it was constantly poured from vessel to vessel. That's the picture. That's the picture that God uses to show what's wrong with Moab or any person who has the Moab problem. Moab has been at ease for too long. He's become comfortable in his life of security and sensuality, especially with Moab, sexual sensuality. And he became bad. He became as bad as he'd ever been in this comfortable life of ease. Therefore, he's described that his taste remained in him and his scent is not changed. See, Moab hadn't changed in his life. He didn't have any changes in his life. He didn't have anything to shake him up, cause him to seek God. So he was just comfortable. See, and that's what it's described in Psalm 55, 19. In Psalm 55, 19, it says, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. So they don't have any afflictions. There's no changes in their lives. And therefore, who needs God? Therefore, there's no need of God. No time in their life when they would come to a Genesis 32, 26, which is what happened to Jacob when he cries out to God, oh God, I won't let you go unless you bless me. I'm in deep trouble. So Moaz is at ease. He has no change in his life. Therefore, he doesn't fear God. Now, we read now in verse two, uh, this is the Esau. This is the course that Esau He's not like Moab. And it says there, Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, Aholibama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. See, the word there, which is really important for us to see, is the word took. See, it's took. Moab took. It's a very important word because it really shows this very strong, willful decision on the part of Moab, on the part of Esau. He's like Moab. But anyway, talking about Esau now. In case you were trying to follow me, I'm talking about Esau. All right, Esau, he knew his parents, Isaac and Rebekah, did not want him to take a Canaanite wife. He knew that. He knew that. He knew that Abraham didn't want Isaac to take a Canaanite wife, and he knew that his parents, Isaac and Rebekah, they didn't want him to do that. But he not only took one Canaanite wife, he took two. He says, well, why not? You know, so he took two and an Ishmaelite wife as well. So in this word took, we can see this stubborn willfulness of Esau. This, I don't care what you say, I'm gonna take her. Take two of them for that matter. It's, it's a willful ignorance of God's original plan. God's original plan. You find the same willfulness today where God people d- despise God's original institution. We'll just move in. We'll live together. When is this marriage stuff? That's Esau's way of life. And so he's got these three wives. Esau's talking to these three wives now. And now he's got these three wives, and he says, okay, I'm going to go build my empire. Build it up here. See, he not only ignored the need to stay away from the Canaanite women, but Esau also ignored God's 
original plan, one wife, one man, which his father had honored. And he saw that in his household. Isaac just had one wife, Rebecca. And now we see in verse six, that same word again, took. In verse six, and Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters, all the for his house, his cattle, got in the land of Canaan, went into the country from the face of his brother. Jacob went into the country. He went into the country. The Septuagint version translates that he left the land of Canaan. He left the land of Canaan. When it says he went into the country, he left the land of Canaan. So here we can see Esau. He takes all that Isaac would give him and that he had gotten, but he didn't take Isaac's God. I don't want that. He says, you can keep that. Isaac's God, no. And as a matter of fact, we see in verse eight that Esau, he chose Mount Seir as a place. He said, that just suits me fine. What was Mount Seir? Mount Seir was a place where, uh, of idolatry. It was a place of idolatry. This is where it came from. And so by choosing Mount Seir, it's like Esau is saying that, you know, I feel more comfortable around these idolatrous Canaanites than around these Jehovah Witnessing people, you know, my people. It's just more comfortable. Uh, you know, why? You know, I feel more comfortable in an environment where man is exalted rather than God. And he didn't take Isaac's God because he despised Isaac's God, his father's God. And he didn't take the salvation of Isaac's God because he despised that too. And that's a picture that we really have here of the first Edomite in the Bible. It's Esau. It's a picture we have of the last Edomite in the Bible that we have, who's King Herod. King Herod was an Edomite. And Edomenia, that's Edom, see? So just as the Edomites were kings, as we see in this chapter here, Herod was a king. And just as the Edomites despised God's salvation, Herod despised God's salvation when he came, when God's salvation came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. First thing we see about Herod there in Matthew 2, 16, is that when Herod, that Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So he's got this hatred of God's salvation so much, you go kill all the children so we can kill them. And, the, and, and this hatred of the, of the Edomites against God's salvation, we see it last in Luke 23, 11, in Luke 23, 11, where it says, and Herod with his men of war set him, the Lord Jesus Christ, at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. So this is, this is Edom. So when it says in verse six that Esau took everything he had, and then in verse eight that Esau moved into Mount Seir, it's really a fulfillment of the prophecy that Isaac gave about Esau in Genesis 2740. See, Isaac gave very specific prophecy about him, Genesis 2740, when it says Isaac looks at Esau and he says, by thy sword, by thy sword shall that live shall serve thy brother, shall come to pass when thou shall have the dominion that thou shall break his yoke from off the neck. See, Esau lived by his sword, by the sword. He lived by the sword. When he was in Isaac's home, he, he, was, the, he was the hunter. He was the man of the field. You know, he was the hunter. 
I, I try to be the hunter. I try to kill these rabbits, but I can't kill the rabbits. I'm not like Esau. <laughs> anyway, the rabbits are tormenting me. But Esau, he's like the little Lord in his house there. It's like the little Lord. And now he moves out of Isaac's home and he's become a nation of hunters and a nation of warriors and a nation of lords and a nation of dukes, these warlike commanders in general, all of them conquering with the sword, anyone who opposes the rule over them. They're all living by the sword. Isn't it interesting that the descendants of Esau, the Saudi Arabians, they have a flag, just one symbol on their flag. You know what it is. It's a sword. That's what they got. And one phrase, you know, there's only one God, that's all, and so forth. Anyway, and um, this last week, a colleague of mine is Bodies, he was telling me how he was visiting his aunt, only he calls him his auntie. But anyway, his aunt in Nigeria, because he's part Nigerian. And he said that when he was 10 years old, visiting her in Lagos, in, in, in Nigeria, and he said he saw a robber, he, he witnessed a robbery in the marketplace. Someone was stealing in the marketplace, and he's 10 years old, and he said they caught him, and, and right away, someone ran in, got a machete, and cut his hand off right in front of him, and he was in shock, and his, his auntie told him, don't you tell anybody in the States about this, you know? Okay, sword. Now, we see here in verse 7 why Esau left Jacob. It says in verse 7 that their riches were more than they might dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. See, this wasn't the first time that this problem came up. You know, they found that there just wasn't enough grazing land for the two families. That's what happened, you remember. That's what happened between Abraham and Lot in Genesis 13, when it says that there was this strife that had come up between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and it says the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in there, then in the land, so they were watching this. And Abraham said unto Lot, let there, be no, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the right hand, then I'll, I'll take the, if you'll take the left hand, I'll take the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. It was very well watered everywhere. It's just like a garden, beautiful. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest into Zoar. Then Lot chose him, like he took, all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and they were sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So here's a, report, here's a repeat right here again. The sexual perversion of Sodom and Gomorrah it didn't bother Lot because the land was rich. And Lot says, you know, I can become rich. So he chose the land, sexual perversions and all. And the idolatry of the Hittites in Mount Seir, that didn't bother Esau because he saw he could become strong. So Esau chose that land, idolatry and all. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 